<laughs> so it's important that you get this because your presentation of Jesus is determined, Sister Givens, by your perception of him. So if I have been uh, in an environment where it has been preached to me that I have to measure up or I have to do something within my own means to be good or in order for God to be good to me, then you will forever present that to others. And it will be presented in a judgmental fashion, uh, therefore trying to get people to qualify for God's goodness before they even get started. And let me say this to you, God is good to you whether you are good or not. He is good. <laughs> so, so he is not waiting on you to be good in order for him to be good to you. He is already good. And once you understand that, that should cause that individual to want to serve this God who's already good to me and I have not done anything to qualify for his goodness. So it's important that we understand this because a lot of people have been bound by denominational strongholds. What I mean by that, not attacking the denomination, but the errors, but the, but the places in error being that uh, where men who are a part of various denominations have imposed their doctrines or the word of God out of context. And as a result, uh, much of what has been taught relative to the good news, notice the gospel is called what? The good news is called what? The good news. It's a good message. And when you get a good message, a good message should bring about liberation. But much of what has been taught relative to the gospel of Jesus has been a performance-based Christianity, being that a message of justification based upon the self-righteous acts of man and not that of Jesus. So we've seen this. Now, again, let's look at this. Um, and for the subheading today, write this down. Christ, someone say Christ, the end of the law. Okay? Christ, the end of the law. Now, I'm just, I just want to read Mark 7, verse 13. This is, and actually in your leisure, the whole context of this message comes between, uh, we get it from verses 1 through 13, but I want to read verse 13 to show you just how constrictive man's traditions uh, have been on people or can be on people. Now, again, something important is to understand the main point or the main reason why Mark delivers this uh, message. And one of the things Mark is doing, and you can write this down, Mark delivers the importance, listen to this, of God's moral standards, okay, over man's tradition. So what Mark is doing, he's setting the stage for the culture of the church that will live in the truth that Jesus has fulfilled the law. Now, whether you know or not, we are that culture of the church that's living in the truth or the reality that Christ has fulfilled the law. Who's with me? Let's read verse 13. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down in many such things you do. Again, the religious leaders of the day had hijacked the law and added their own rules and traditions above God's word. <laughs> Are you here? So keeping the law as interpreted by the Pharisees, had become an oppressive, depressive, tyrannical, if you will, overwhelming burden, much like today. So what they imposed on men was oppressing men because they was imposing rules, daughter, that were not of God or beyond the word of God. But what's happened today, not only are we, not only are rules being imposed on us that's not of God, people are trying to hold us to a covenant that we were not born under. 
Now, we need to understand what aspects of the covenant we are bound by. That's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. So let's look at that again because, see, this is serious because man can have such a stronghold on people that people would rather believe man than God. That's what we see in verse 13. They got such a stronghold, man of God, that even in the face of truth, they still hold to my preacher said, or we believe, talking about their particular denomination. And see, when it makes the word of God, when the word of God says that it makes the word of no effect, that means the word of God loses its authority to be impactful, to be uh, effective, if you will, in the life of the believer. So although I am a believer, if I'm not following truth and, and I'm following tradition, although God loves me, there's nothing uh, that's promised to me handed down because I'm not following truth, I'm following tradition. And the reason why it's not handed down is because I have not given uh, the Word of God authority to be activated in my life by being in agreement with His truth rather than man's tradition. Who understand what I just said? So we talked about that dual identity. Someone say dual identity. See, if you get this, beloved, listen, it, the freedom that Christ talks about is a freedom that you can't even find words in the English dialect to articulate how wonderful, how euphoric it is. It's just that good. It is so good, men of God, that it almost seems too good to be true. But he's that type of God, or it's just that good. We talked about that dual identity, being the new man in Christ, the new creation in Christ, battling with the old law or the old covenant. Watch this, as a result of unbalanced teachings of a mixture of law and grace. Notice I said there's been an unbalanced Uncorrect or incorrect, excuse me, teaching because of the mixture of law and grace. John 117 Amplified. <laughs> Are you here? For the law, John 1, 17. Do you see this? Let's read. For the law was given through Moses. Slow down. For the law was given through Moses. But grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God, and truth came through who? Jesus. Do you see this? Jesus Christ. So the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Now, we've talked about this. Now, the law, look what uh, John said. The law that was given through Moses was not a display of grace. Why? Because it commanded man, it commanded men to obey and condemn them to death if they failed to do so. So the law commanded you to obey. And when you didn't obey, you were condemned. See, the law told men what was right, but did not give them the power to do it. It told them, man of God, what was right, but it did not give them the power to live right. It just exposed their need of someone greater than them, talking about Christ. Are you here? So the, listen to this now. The law told men what was right, but did not give them the power to do it. It was given to show men they were sinners, that they were sinners, but it could not save them from their sins. See, watch this, beloved, because, again, so many of us have been preached the wrong gospel that hearing the correct gospel, we still fight that old pattern, pathology, teachings, things that were handed down. But, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. In other words, 
Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but to save those who were unworthy, who could not save themselves, and who were his enemies at one time. See, that's grace. See, judgment was not the object of his first advent when he came on the scene. The first judgment wasn't, let let me show y'all looking at me like y'all not understanding your Bible. John 12, 47, let me show you something. Again, I said in, in weeks past that Holy Spirit, the Word of God said Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, not condemn them. He would convict. And see, a lot of times what we do, we condemn individuals. It's not your job to condemn. My job is to let uh, or allow the light of Christ shine through me and let Holy Spirit do the work. It, the, the regular the regular is fine. And watch this. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not what? Judge him. For I did not come to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but to what? Save the world. As a matter of fact, uh, look at verse 48. He tells you what will condemn the person. He who rejects me and does not receive my words, or not condemn but judge, uh, receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will what? Judge him in the last day. So Jesus came to save those who were unworthy, who could not save themselves through this performance. See, that's grace. Are you here? I would write this down if I were you. Grace forgives and pardons the sinner. And truth or the reality, talking about Jesus, is that which the sacrifices points to. Okay? Remember, under the law, there are various sacrifices, and I'll go over it again with you. So grace forgives and what? Pardon the sinner. And truth, or you can say the reality, and we'll see this talking about Jesus, is that which what? The sacrifices points to. So he is the fulfillment of all the old, of, of the foreshadowings, the symbols, the types of the old covenant. You hear? So grace and truth came by who? Came through who? Through Jesus Christ. See, let let me try to make it a little bit in layman's terms. Grace, Grace is heaven's best for earth's worst. Grace is heaven's best for earth's worse. Ah, boy, that's good. <laughs> that, that, that means there's nobody that, 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 that could be walking on the earth that God has not extended his grace to. I don't care how egregious they may seem. I don't care how wicked they may seem. There's a grace even for that woman and that man. See, that, that's why you, you don't condemn people. Now, I don't care how bad they are, there's still a grace for that woman. There's still a grace for that man. You hear? So we're talking about Christ, the fulfillment of the law. So let's deal with that law aspect. Again, as new creation in Christ, we were not born under the old covenant system. You were not, man. We were not. Romans 6.14, we went over this. I just want to show it real quick, flash it. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Now, when you do a deep, thorough, exegetical, if you will, examination of what this verse means when it says you're not under law but under grace. You know what that really means? It means you're not under law but under grace. See, some of you probably heard this young man give you the answer before I did because he's a, he, he's a student, he's a, he's a savant, he, he's one who is schooled in theology. 
And he was correct. It means for you are not under law, but under grace. Are you with me? So when, a, and you can write this down, when the Bible speaks of the law, beloved, it refers to Moses. Let me slow down in case I see some of you writing. When the Bible speaks of the law, it refers to the detailed standard God gave Moses. You got that? When the Bible speaks of the law, it refers to the detailed standard God gave Moses. If you remember, it started with the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter number 20. Okay? Then, too, the purpose of the law, the law explains, listen to this, it, it explained God's requirements for a holy people within, you had, the, again, the ceremonial laws, the moral laws, the civil laws. So within the moral uh, judicial or the civil as well as the um, ceremonial laws, there were requirements under the law of Moses that people had to do. They had to keep certain days. They had to uh, keep certain festivals. They had to do various sacrifices as a, uh, a, a way of being justified before God. Okay? So they had to do these things as a means of justification. Are you with me? Then, too, the purpose of the law was to separate God's people, watch this, from the nefarious or the evil nations around them. So another reason the law, the purpose of the law, it was to separate or distinguish, if you will, God's people from the evil nations that surrounded them. It was also given whereby they can define sin. Now, again, you should already have this. When we said, and I'll just give you a little bit, the ceremonial laws, it focused on how to regain right standing with God through various sacrifices, uh, feasts, festivals, dietary laws, clothing, Passover, Sabbath, okay? Then you had the civil laws, and they encompass all of the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. Again, guys, there were more than Ten Commandments, okay? Then, too, in, in, when you, in its proper context, the law or the covenant is the whole world of God encompassed, all of the new and old, okay? But we're talking about uh, under the law of Moses. So you had the, the civic laws or the civil laws, and they encompassed all of the law except the Ten Commandments, okay, and how to deal with various restitutions. Then you had the moral law, and this is the one that a lot of people, they get stuck on, and they think that, again, you're promoting or teaching antinomianism. antinomianism. Nobody is anti-law. Okay, so we have to understand what that means. We're not saying that there are certain things that we don't do. But within the moral law, you had, of course, the Ten Commandments. You had uh, uh, tenets on how to deal with uh, sexual behavior, regulations re relative to justice, respecting one another. Okay, under that, you had the not murdering, the not stealing, the not bearing false witness against thy neighbor, the not committing adultery. Don't do those things, Right? Don't do those things. But not doing those things is insufficient to make us right before God's eyes. See, see, under the law, you had not doing those things was a means of being justified before God. But because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, even though we don't do those things, not doing those things is not what justifies me before God. Who gets what I'm saying? So he's not saying go out and do these things, but by you not doing those things, then you should not. It's not why you're justified or they are insufficient to make you uh, right before God's, before God's eye. Who gets that? In other words, we're not bound to keep these requirements as a means of justification before God. Well, explain that. Uh, when you miss the mark or when you fall short is what it's called under the new covenant. When you fall short, is there a goat that you sacrifice? No. Why? Because Jesus satisfied that. Should we hold certain days? No. Are they good to observe? Yes. But we don't have to do them to be justified. Again, even with keeping the Sabbath, a lot of people, again, they, they argue over the Sabbath. The Sabbath, not 
uh, keeping the Sabbath holy, or, or remembering the Sabbath rather, and keeping it holy, keeping it holy was not doing anything on the Sabbath. It wasn't the day. It was what was supposed to take place on the day, on that day. Jesus is our Sabbath or our Sabbath. Every day is holy. Are you here? So again, watch this now. The law was not given, listen to this, the law was not given to justify people, but to produce the knowledge of sin. Now, let me say something because notice I said uh, up under the law, what were we talking about? We talked about the detailed standard that the Lord gave Moses, talking about the ceremonial laws, civil laws, moral laws, okay? And Jesus, when he declared to Telestai, it is finished, or literally paid in full. What he was saying is that all of the Old Testament prophecies, that which the, the prophets prophesied were fulfilled. Uh, the, everything that foreshadowed his coming, he said it is finished. The sin debt is paid in full. Are you here? So the purpose of the law, again, was the law, again, the law was not given to justify people. So you, you couldn't be justified by the law. It couldn't do it. But to produce the knowledge of sin. And, of course, we're not, we don't do the ceremonial laws. Okay? You can observe certain days. Those are fine. But you don't have to keep them in order to be justified. And we observe Passover uh, uh, and all the other ones you want to name. Okay? So, but they're not done under the new covenant man of God as a means of being justified before God because Jesus is our Passover now. Are you here? Now, when it comes to the moral law, should we practice moral laws? Thank you. Sure, absolutely. Should, 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 should I still love my neighbor? Yeah. Should I not steal? Don't go out and steal. But not stealing is insufficient to make you right before the eyes of God. Don't steal. So, and I said that to say we should live lives that confirm God's revealed will for us. So nobody said not to do that. But understand this, but moral law does not point people to Christ. It merely it illuminates the fallen state of mankind. Again, the law makes sin known but cannot save. Don't do those things, but, but again, the law was given to point you to Christ. Let me, let me say it this way. Doing perfectly what God and moral law requires is impossible. Doing perfectly what those laws required were, it was impossible. That's why you feel burned out when you go through the religious acts of trying to be justified. You, you exasperate yourself because you don't know if I've done enough. Are you here? So doing perfectly what God's moral law requires is You can't do it perfectly. Because although you may not steal, you might lie. You might bear false witness against your neighbor. See, see you, matter of fact, you might keep all ten. What about the other 603 and beyond? See, see, see now, and, and, see, and people argue over this, you got some that can't keep ten. So you arguing about can't keep 10. Listen to, listen to me. And I, and nobody can show you differently. Nobody but Christ ever kept or could keep God's law perfectly. I say it again. Nobody but Christ ever kept or could keep God's law perfectly. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. <laughs> Listen to this, I hear you. 
while the law is good, itself is good, or while the law itself was good, it was weak in that it lacked the power to change a sinful heart. See, I'm saying that, man of God, because when you understand that, you won't try to perform to be right before God. Because it didn't, it, it didn't have what it, it, it didn't have what it takes to be right before God. It showed you the need that I, I need God. Let me show you something. Romans 3, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 3 and 4. Who's getting this? See, I, I want to show you that Christ, and, and people be arguing about it. And, and a lot of times if we just slow down and read, the, the, the Bible will give us the answer. So while the law itself was good, it was weakened that it lacked the power to change its sinful heart. Romans 8, 3, and 4. For what the law could not do. See, see, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall. And the truth shall. Shall do what? Liberate you. Set. Make you free. Whichever one you want to use, whatever translation you use, make you free, set free. People argue which. We do know this. The truth of Jesus will liberate you. There is freedom in it. For what the law could not do, that is, overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, Man's nature without Holy Spirit. God did, watch this, he did what? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it and overcame it in the person of his own son. Verse 4, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in what? The ways that, see, you got to look at the context of what he's saying. So that the righteous law, excuse me, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, watch this, who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh. Guided by what? Worldliness in our sinful lives, but live our lives in the ways of the spirit, guided by his spirit. In other words, what he's saying when it says, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled. How is it fulfilled in you? By depending on Christ and not the works of the flesh, which they were doing. See, the, it's, no, it's fulfilled and you trusted in what Jesus finished. Not what you trying to do that the law had no power to do. Again, Apostle Paul taught that the purpose of the law was to serve, and you've heard this, as a tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified how? By faith. Galatians 3, 24. You just can't take this. and You have to get it in you. It's important to understanding the gospel. You hear? Because you have various even religious groups and, 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 and different individuals who, who try to hold you to a covenant that you was not that you were not born under. Nor justified by keeping certain things. Keep those moral aspects of the law, but you're not justified by keeping those. Verse 23, are you here? Now, before faith came, boy, oh, I can't wait to get back on that. We were kept in what? Custody under the law, perpetually imprisoned in preparation for the faith that was what? Destined to be revealed. Verse 24, with the result, that law has become what? Our tutor and our disciplinary, disciplinary to guide us to what? Christ. So the purpose of it was to guide us to what? Christ. So that we may be justified, that is, declared free of guilt 
free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right standing with God how? By faith. Do you see that? So once Christ came, the tutor was no longer needed. Why? Because now we're justified by placing our faith in him, in Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul makes it transpicuous or crystal clear that keeping the law did not save either Old or New Testament Jews. It didn't have the power to. Are you here? Why? Because no one will be declared righteous in the sight of God by observing the law as a means of justification. Well, where's that at? Romans 3 and 20. Romans 3. See, what, what this should do is alleviate the burden of trying to perform to be right before God. Jesus did that for you. <laughs> and now I'm right because he made me right. And that compels me. Romans 3.20. For no person, for no person, Romans 3 and 20, for no person, for no person, well, I attend such and such church, no person will be justified, do you see this? That is free of guilt and declare righteous in the sight of God by what? Trying to do, here it go, the works of the law. So keep those moral aspects of the law, but doing them, that's not, he just said no person. See that? Do them, Sister Gibbons, but that's not, that's, that doesn't make it justified. Who sees this? For no person will be justified, freed of guilt, and declared righteous in the sight of God by what? Trying to do the works of the law. For through the law we became, see again, conscious of sin. And the recognition of sin directs us towards repentance but provides no remedy for sin. So the whole purpose of law was to, you know, let you know that I am in need of Jesus' saving grace. It, it, no, the purpose of it was to show you I cannot do this even on my best day. I still fall short, come up short. So here, beloved, you got to understand, Jesus fulfilled the law. Those standard of requirements that were given to Moses, okay? Jesus fulfilled the law. Will you say that? Jesus fulfilled the law. The law. See, don't believe that for just because I said it. Let's believe it because it's in the Word of God. Okay? Now, and I said this a few weeks ago. If the law, beloved, is still binding on us today, then it has not yet accomplished its purpose. It has not yet been fulfilled. How do we know it's been fulfilled? Jesus said, it is finished. Then he tells us, if we can see the second Matthew 5, that he came to fulfill it. Are you here? And I said this, in order to authenticate, now let me show you something else. In order to authenticate or establish that everything is accomplished, right? All we need to do is prove that something from the law has disappeared. Is there something that has disappeared? Yes. One, we know that the sacrificial system has disappeared. So that, in, in, in and of itself, lets me know that the law has been fulfilled. And the person who tries to bind themselves by keeping certain ones as we've seen a couple weeks ago when Paul was talking to the church of Galatia, no, you might, might as well keep all of them. So, no, 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 no. If you're going to keep that, you might as well keep that too. Are you here? 
So if the old covenant sacrificial system has disappeared, what does that mean? It means according to Matthew 5, 17, 18, that everything is accomplished. So let's look at that. And, and listen to this, and I said this. If the law as a legal system is still binding on us today, then Jesus would have been in error in claiming to fulfill it. And his sacrifice on a cross was insufficient to save. In other words, if we are still bound by the law as a legal system, if that's still binding on us today, then what Jesus did was for nothing. He died in vain. Who gets what I'm saying? So if, if what he did didn't accomplish it, then we're still bound by that old system. Even though we were not born under that system, under that covenant, we were still bound by the rules and the regulations of it and keeping it as a means to be justified. We, we, we're in trouble. But thank God that's not the case. Why? Because he fulfilled it. I have to show you this verse first. Ooh, I'm, I think I'll get to the, yeah, we'll get, we'll get this. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, Amplified. Let me show you something real quickly. Throw this in here. Who's getting something? Guys, guys, see, look, look. this is vital. Again, to your presentation of who Christ is. There's no way you can possibly present a clear gospel if you have a clouded view of Jesus. You can't. If your perception is distorted on, uh, relative to what his death, burial, resurrection, sin, ascension, seeding, if you don't understand what that meant, how can I clearly articulate the good news. It's, it's good news, guys. But what's being preached in a lot of instances is bad news in that we have been taught to do in order to be, not knowing we are because of what he did. But when, listen to this, but when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the what? Regulations of the law. See, all this, see, he had to be born under that in order to perfect it. See, he notice he kept it perfectly. That's why he was able to be our sacrifice. Are you here? So he had to be born under that system. Y'all, yeah, that, that, that's not even heavy. That, that's the soup. This is a five-course meal, and we're just on the soup. So don't look like you have gotten your entree. No, no, this is not the meal. But you, you, you look like the... You look like the fillet just came. No, no, no. This is just the, the, the salad portion. This is soup and salad. And if you acting like that over soup and salad, <laughs> watch this. But when in God's plan, the proper time, has Jesus came? Has he came? Once, God sent his son, born, of woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might what? He, let's read. So that he might what? Redeem and liberate those who were under. So if he came to redeem me or redeem those who were under it, if he fulfill it, don't keep saying I'm under it. Why? Because he came that we, he might redeem and liberate those who were under it. That those who were believed might be adopted as sons, as God's 
children with all rights as fully grown members of his family. Do you see this? And because you really are his sons, those who are believers, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave or bondservant. Watch this. Under the law is what it's making reference to. Why? Because of Christ. But a son, and if a son, then also an heir through the what? Grace's act of God through who? Christ. Now let's go to Matthew. That was a good verse. It's been there all that time. You, you, Matthew 17, 18. New King James is fine. Let, let's do New King. Yeah. Can you get on all three? Matthew 5, 17, 18. Do not. Matthew 5, 17, verse 18. You guys here? Come on, let, let's read so to get in your spirit. Ready? Let's read. Do not think that I came to. Destroy the law or the prophets. Okay. I did not come to destroy, but to. What did he come to do? Has he came, daughter? So we know that it has been fulfilled. Look at verse 18. For, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot. Or one tittle will by no means what? Pass from the law till all is fulfilled. How do we know all is fulfilled? Because Christ came to fulfill. Let's look at verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. This is what he's saying. Jesus was neither giving, he was neither given a new law nor modifying the old, but rather, listen to this now, explaining the true significance of the moral content of Moses' law and the rest of the old covenant or the old testament. Now, the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets speaks of the entirety of the old testament scripture. Okay, we, we've seen all the prophecies. That, that were given by the prophecies of old. So this is just not the rabbinical interpretations of them. But no, the law and the prophet speaks of the entirety of the Old Testament scriptures. Notice it says he came to fulfill. Now, this speaks of fulfillment in the same sense that prophecy is fulfilled. So Jesus was indicating that he is the fulfillment of the law in all aspects. Okay. Now listen, notice we had the moral, ceremonial, and the what? Judicial. Watch this. He fulfilled the moral law by keeping it perfectly. Let me show you. 1 Peter 2.22, real quickly, quickly, New King James. So he, filled, he fulfilled the moral law. So we're we about to see that he fulfilled what that which Moses had handed down. He is letting you know, I came to fulfill it. Not destroy, I came to, not abolish, I came to set the record straight, if you will. 1 Peter 1, 2, 22. Who committed, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Okay, so he, we see he fulfilled the moral law. He fulfilled the ceremonial law by being the embodiment of everything that the laws, types, and symbols pointed to. Colossians 2, 16, 17, Amplified. So again, he fulfilled the moral law by keeping it perfectly. He fulfilled the ceremonial law by being the embodiment of all the types and shadows that pointed to him. Now watch this, Colossians 2, 16, 17. Therefore, let no one do what? Judge you in regard to food and drink or in regard to what? The observance of a? Festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Such things are only, such things are only, such things are only a shadow of what is to come. And they only have, and they have only what? Symbolic value. But the substance or the reality 
of what is foreshadowed belongs to who? Christ. So here we see him fulfilling the ceremonial law. They were only a shadow of what was to come. And Christ is that reality. Okay? Then, too, we see him fulfilling the judicial law by, per, by personifying God's perfect justice. You can see this in Matthew uh, 12, 18, and verse 20 amplified. Matthew 12, verses 18 and verses 20. So here we see him fulfilling. Are you with me? Ah. Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will do what? Proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel, nor cry out loudly, nor anyone will hear his voice in the streets. Uh, verse uh, 20, a battered reed he will not break, and smoldering wick he will not extinguish until he leads what? Justice to victory. So he fulfilled the judicial law, okay? Now, Verse 18 is something very important we need to take note here. I need you to see this. It's important to notice, watch this. It's important to notice that Jesus did not say that the law would never pass away. He said it would not pass away until all was fulfilled. Who got what I just said? He didn't say that it would not never pass away. He said it would not never pass away until all was fulfilled. We're talking about the performing and the things doing to be justified before him. Notice, now, jots and tittles have to do with letters and pen strokes in the Hebrew writing. That's all that means. Just so when he says jots and tittles. But what Jesus is saying when he said, uh, let me read it. Uh, what's verse 18? For surely I say to you, to heaven and earth pass away, one jot and one tittle will by no means pass away uh, from law until all is fulfilled. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying fulfillment is unpreventable. Even the smallest letter of the law will be fulfilled. Even the smallest pen stroke of the prophets will be accomplished. And they were when he declared, it is finished. Romans 10.4. Who gets this? You need to go back. Listen. Notice. Look, look. Verse. It's important to notice, beloved, that he did not say that the law would never pass away. He said it would not pass away till all was, was all fulfilled. So those demands, that's why we no longer needed the tutor once this new faith came, as we just read. For Christ, let's look to Amplify. Watch this. Get into a stopping place. Watch this. For Christ See, guys, you know why these verses are important? Because when people try to tell you, oh, you up under, did you? tell them to explain. What do you mean I'm up under? What, what, is, what, do you, what do you mean? For Christ is. Did I say that? Are these my words, Crystal? So don't say your preacher said No. According to Romans 10, 14, 10, 4, thank you, daughter. According to Romans 10, 4, Christ is the end. Hold on. He is the end of the law. It leads to him and its purpose is what we just read. I didn't come to, I came to fulfill. See, it can't go anywhere until I fulfill it. <laughs> Y'all missed that. I came to fulfill it. One jot, one tittle. Listen, it can't go anywhere until I fulfill it. And he ended it. He is the fulfillment of it. it do you see this? It leads to him and its purpose is for what? Filling him. For granting righteousness to everyone who what? Believes in him as Savior. Do you see this? Watch this. Christ did not wave the law aside. Rather, he met the full demands of the law. See, that's what he did. When it said he didn't come to abolish, what he came to do, he came to meet the demands of it. 
by fulfilling its strict requirements in his life and in his death. So he met them so we no longer have to meet them to qualify for you. Watch this, and I'm getting to a place to close. Thus, the gospel, so I'll say the good news, does not, listen to this, the gospel does not overthrow the law. It upholds the law and shows how the law's demands have been fully satisfied by Christ's redemptive work. That's what the gospel does. It shows that all these demands have been fully satisfied by what Jesus did. So as new creations in Christ who place our faith in Jesus are not under the law, again, we're under, what are we under? Grace. We've seen that in Romans 6.14. We are dead to the law through the work of Christ. You, I would write that down. We are dead to the law through the work of Christ. What do you mean dead to the law? Performing and keeping certain things as a means of justification or being right before God. We're dead to that. Listen to this. The penalty of the law must be paid only once. Since Christ paid the penalty, the believer does not have to. You missed that. The penalty of the law must be paid only once. Since Christ paid the penalty, the believer does not have to. And it is in this sense that I just spoke that the law has faded away for the believer. We do not have to pay any penalties. Are you here? Why? Because Christ did that. Let me show you. And I'm done. Let me show you. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11, Amplified. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11. Look at this, guys. Now, listen to this. Now, if the ministry of death engraved in the letters on stones, talking about the covenant of the law, which leads to death because of sin, watch this, came with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, a brilliance that was fading. Verse 8, watch this. How would the ministry of the Spirit, talking about the new covenant, which allows us to be spirit-filled, fail to be more glorious and splendid? Are you here? For if the ministry that brings condemnation, the old covenant, it brought condemnation, talking about the law, has glory, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry that brings righteousness? Do you see this? Talking about the new covenant which declares believers free of guilt and sets them apart for God's special purpose. Indeed, what had glory? What did you say that was, daughter? Past tense. Past tense. Indeed, what had glory? Talking about what? The law. In this case, no longer has glory. Why? Because of the glory that surpasses it. Talking about the good news. For if that law, which fades away, came with glory, how much more must that gospel, which remains and is permanent, Abide in glory and splendor. Do you see that? While believers are not under the law. Listen to this. And I, and I say it emphatically. That does not mean he is lawless. Why? Because he is now bound by a stronger chain than law because he's under the law of Christ. See, I'm, I'm up under something now that compels me because of his goodness. <laughs> Are you here? 1 Corinthians 9, 21 ERV. Who's getting something? Look, look, see, this, what you have to do, 
once you get home, eat, take your Sunday nap, you have to get up and chew on this. Listen to it again. Tomorrow, listen to it again. Tuesday, listen to it again. Wednesday, and so why? Because now, see, when it's in me, in abundance, it'll come out in abundance. To those who are without the law, and I want to show you something, but Paul was making a point how he became all things all men. Not that he did what they did, but he identified with all men where he may win to some. But look at this. He says, to those who are without the law, I became like someone who what? Is without the law. I did this to help save those who are without the law. But I, but really, I am not without God's law. I am ruled by the law of Christ. See, we, as New Covenant believers, we're ruled by the law of of Christ. And when you understand that, the believer's behavior is not molded. The believer's behavior is molded not by fear of punishment, but by love and desire to please Christ. And when I, when I, what I mean by please, not to please, be justified, but having a heart to want to do the right thing. Why? Because Christ has become his rule of life. Let me show you. 1 John 2, 6, Amplified. We got one more verse after that. So, so the believer's behavior is it's not molded by fear of being punished. If No, no, no. Because the, when the believer understands understand what Christ did, what that meant, he allows Christ to become his rule of life. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. So when you understand what really took place, you're not going to keep living any kind of way. Why? Because there's an obligation because of his goodness. And I know not doing those things, is, it, it doesn't justify me before God, but still I understand when I don't do those things, it's a reflection. Or represent, it, it lets others know that there is this higher standard that I live by, and my life is ruled or governed by Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, Amplified, we'll close right there. Who was the end of the law? How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so. <laughs> Amen. For the love of Christ controls and compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that all those who live would no longer live. See, when you understand the, the the pure gospel, you're not living for yourself. What do you mean? Giving in to the dictates and gratifications and desires of the flesh that oppose the word. You're not living for yourself now. Why? Because Christ's love for me controls me now. It compels me now. In other words, his love is the impetus why I do the right thing. It's his love. Are you here? And he died for all so that all who died would no longer live for themselves, but what? For him who died and was raised for their sakes, for ours. Guys, when you understand how good God's love is, listen, you can't help but to want to do the right thing. Not being bound by the commands and dictates of the law is, is, is not a passage, nor is it an excuse. We, we see that to live lawlessly. But once you understand the love that Christ actually has for you, now that is the compelling force. Watch this. That, 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 that caused me not to want to do 
those things, even though my justification is not based upon not doing those things. But because of his love for me, the standard's different. Yeah. So, 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 and, and for, so for anyone who, who, who uses this to, to not change, has not fully understood why Jesus really came. Or they do and just don't want to. But the power is in you to do it. If you allow Holy Spirit to help discipline you. Why? Because again, one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if you want to possess self-control, you need the person, power, influence of Holy Spirit. Will you declare this? I am not under law, but under grace. Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.